Welcome to the Wonder Space podcast. It's great to have you on board. My name is Steve Cole, and over the past 73 episodes, I have been asking the same six questions to amazing people from around the world. The questions orbit around wonder and stories of hopefulness, and the setting for each journey is a shared window on the space station from where we see everything from a different perspective. Before we introduce our guest this week, our friends at asknature.org are going to help us to rewonder. It's a calm sea in the early morning as a flock of pelicans dips low and glides just above the surface of the Atlantic Ocean. The appearance may be graceful, but the real grace is efficiency. These birds are using tricks of physics to catch a nearly free ride over the deep. By gliding close to the surface, pelicans compress the air below them, giving them a denser cushion to float upon. This lets them hold their wings flatter, which disturbs the air less as they move through it. That minimizes the swirling vortices that cause a drop in air pressure and essentially drag the birds backward in flight. Saving energy by skimming this way helps the flock live to dive another day. Our orbit this week will take us from Alaska to Florida. And to experience these views with us in this ultimate window seat, we welcome Gavin Starks. Gavin is an entrepreneur who has spent over 20 years helping to make data infrastructure useful to everyone. This has led to the creation of dozens of companies that are tackling complex challenges, ranging from climate change to government transparency, digital supply chains to open banking. With this panoramic view above Earth, I start by asking Gavin, if we could do a fly past on any part of the world that is significant to you, which place, city or country would it be and why? Well, I'm going to start by taking some liberty with your question there. Uh, I'd love to do a flyby of a double quasar so I could witness one of the most powerful objects in the universe. But on Earth, I'd have to say Antarctica, uh, partly to witness the scale of it firsthand uh, and sort of see what we're destroying in the process and get a sense of just the, just the sheer scale of it. When you, when you read the news and read the, the sort of headlines on some of the science, you say, well, an area the size of Manhattan is about to drop off. What does that look like? In person, I think experiencing that in person is, is quite a significant, would be quite a significant thing. Gavin, give us a glimpse into your life story so far with an emphasis on what you are doing currently. Yeah, sure. So I, I started, I studied astrophysics and um, worked at Jodrell Bank Radio Telescope, uh, helping to map out bits of the universe and exploring things like quasars. Uh, and then I got sucked into the web uh, in the mid 90s helped set up a, a little company uh, called Virgin Net, which is now Virgin Media. So I was the fifth person in there. And, and that really sort of got me thinking about how do we bring together this sort of fantastic new technology in, in the web and the internet with um, data and, and all the other areas of, of interest that the web has enabled us to connect. So since then, I've, I've created over a dozen companies that have all been data enabled in some way uh, and that's included uh, 
looking at climate change, uh, looking at open data. I um, created the Open Data Institute with Tim Berners-Lee, co-chaired the development of the Open Banking Standard, which has now opened up access to financial data across the banking sector. Uh, so I've been involved really since in, in the web since the early 90s and feel like I've been working at the intersection of business and government and science for most of my career. And I'm trying to bring all these things together now with Icebreaker One, which is a, a non-profit, and we're trying to make data work harder to deliver net zero. Uh, and that's looking at policy instruments, dealing with, with government, uh, dealing with regulators, dealing with industry, uh, working with universities on the science uh, so it's it's really that kind of systems view that we're trying to bring to this and what's enabled by having this incredible technology underneath it all with the web and the internet that can connect data uh, in a way that connects information in a way we've never been able to. There's a billion websites now. It's only taken us 30 years to get there. But if you take that as version one, what are we going to build in the next 20 years? One of the things we're working on with the icebreaker uh, project is called Open Energy, uh, and that's built on the principles and the architecture of open banking. Uh, the ambition is to open up access to all of the energy data in the country. Uh, it's not a free-for-all, but it's, if you like, a web of energy data is something that's very possible. We've built the foundations of, and one of the impacts of that is we could automate environmental reporting as part of that. So when you look at greenhouse gas reporting, there's a framework uh, called, uh, we look at scope one and scope two emissions, which are what emissions are your, or what's your organization creating as an impact. There's no reason why we can't automate that using some of these tools, but we wouldn't have been able to do it 10 years ago. I did try actually, one of the companies I set up was uh, venture backed and, and we, had a, we had a bash, but the, the market wasn't ready. Uh, now it's very different. I'd say the, uh, the technology has been democratized. Some of the policy instruments, the blueprints exist now. And there's a, a legally binding target, certainly in the UK, to hint net zero by 2050, which means we've got to get a move on. So it does feel like all of these elements are coming together. Where on earth is your place of reset or recharge? That's a great question. Uh, I grew up in a village of 700 people in Whiting Bay on the Isle of Arran. Uh, so that's my place of reset. And, and to me, island culture carries with it a sense of really direct agency with the environment in which you live. You know, you're, you're beholden to the sea, the weather and the land. But if something needs done, it's either got to be done by you or someone you know. So the, the, those are the only people around that are going to get anything done. So... I think that sense of direct agency of like, it's not up to anybody else. You know, you've got to get on with whatever needs to be addressed in the, in the community in which you live. But I also think it's, it's really grounding to be somewhere where you can stand in the same place over decades and see the same outlines, even the same rocks and the same trees as I saw when I was a child. Uh, and that's got a, a real sort of grounding sense to it of the geology just sits there. And, and, you know, we're, we're just transitory on the way. What wonder of the natural world excites you the most? Oh, that, that's an easy one. So they would be the aurora uh, borealis. So again, that's our reminder that Earth is just a small rock hurtling through space. 
subject to the whim of our sun and its solar wind. Um, also tells us about our own magnetic field and the fact that under our feet there's a whole tumultuous molten lump of stuff that is moving the poles around, changing our uh, environment that we cannot have any agency over. So it's it's much bigger than us and it's it's right above us. Um, so it, it's, again, that's an uh, analogy there of this island earth. Uh, we're, we're just custodians on a short journey. Gavin, what is your story of hopefulness that's not your own, about a person, business or non-profit who are doing amazing things for the world? I'm a trustee of a charity called Blue Ventures. It's a marine conservation charity. Uh, and they, they're just doing remarkable work. Uh, they're supporting coastal communities around the world, helping to restore ocean life, creating sustainable fishing. Uh, there, there's, there's 300 million people worldwide who live in those communities. And they're totally dependent on the small-scale fisheries uh, for their uh, life and, and livelihoods. Uh, Blue Ventures has been developing their work for over 20 years now, and they're, they're starting to scale it up. Uh, based on the science, based on the data and the base of evidence, what works, but then working with humans, uh, supporting the communities so that they can scale the work themselves. They've been working from uh, Madagascar to Indonesia to Belize, and they're taking a real systems-based approach. So it's not just about protecting the oceans and the marine life. They're also including gender equality, so empowering women, helping to educate men, and support everybody in the communities. Right the way through to addressing net zero with mangrove development. Mangroves can uh, sequester 10 times the amount of carbon than a rainforest. So they've been trying to work out how do they take that back out to some of the commercial markets. There's a huge opportunity uh, there. So their work, while they're um, two, two decades in, now I think they're an inflection point where they can really start to scale this up from hundreds of thousands, millions of people they've helped so far to 10 times, 100 times that. Finally, as we prepare to re-enter, what insight, wisdom or question would you like to share with us? Another great question. Um, I think the scale of change ahead really needs everyone to lean in and work out how we're going to collaborate so in a bit of a left field uh, link here, I also did a master's degree in electronic music and I'm a trustee on a, another charity called Long Player. And Long Player is a piece of music that's designed to play for a thousand years. It's been going 22 years so far. But as a trustee there, my, my role is to think about how do we maintain that narrative, that story over generations? And when I think about the challenge we've got ahead of us in terms of climate change, uh, biodiversity, species collapse, the myriad things that are uh, becoming more and more urgent in our world, we're going to need governments, regulators, industry, investors, creatives, people to work together on how we quantify and measure value and what does this mean for our actions in the next decade what's it with now really the investments we make and the decisions we make in the next 10 years will have really lasting consequences so we need to work out how we're going to have better conversations 
To find out more about the work and vision of Gavin, go to icebreaker1.org. In his story of hopefulness and final insight, Gavin talks about Blue Ventures and Long Player. And you can find out more at blueventures.org and longplayer.org. To engage with the previous 73 Wonder Space episodes, go to our website, ourwonder.space. I want to thank Gavin for joining us on Wonder Space, and I hope you can join us next week for more wonders and stories of hopefulness.